Welcome to another week of the Soccer Thread Podcast. Uh, I was told about this one, so that's nice. <laughs> uh, Dan's wearing a uh, uh, the pot is for the people. The pot is for the people. Uh, you know shirt, what this reminds but, uh, me of, Dan? I don't know if this ever happened to you, but um, sometimes in high school, you know, you'd, uh, you'd, you'd come into school like Monday morning. You'd be talking to your friends before school starts. You'd be like, oh, you know, how was your weekend? I texted you. You didn't text back. Um, and then your friends would be like, oh, in high yeah, school? we, uh, we went to this party. Um, yeah, we, it was great. We didn't tell you because, um, we, you know, we wanted to protect you. And it was like, <laughs> you know, weird because we went to a party, uh, every weekend before that for the last three years. But, uh, I guess this party last, was just a little bit different. The last 235 weekends we've I, been to parties together. I want to make this, I want to make this very clear. Uh, this, what you're doing right now, fully deserved. Uh, <laughs> Not at I, all deserved. I am, I'm feeling every I'm, bit. I'm literally just recounting a high school story. I, <laughs> I'm feeling every bit uh, uh, of the punishment that I'm currently receiving. I want you to know that this does not phase Colin at all. At oh, all. Right. Unbothered. It, no, it only not. empowers He's him. He's called the evil Colin for a reason. <laughs> Just rubbing his hands together. I mean, like, Ryan, you know, you know where this ends. This ends with all of us getting phased out for Colin's childhood friends. It's <laughs> a slippery just slope. Just Keevan and Beefy eventually. Keevan, Keevan's already, he's got two feet in the door. Yep. You've, you've empowered him. This is on you. Yeah. Yeah. This is that's just fair. me, Barcelona, and Inter Milan. That's fair. Good luck. Good luck finding a time to pod with Spencer. That's going to be harder than even yeah. us. Colin just <laughs> laying on a big pile of Florentinos. I'm, I'm willing to take my thirty point uh, deduction right now. I won't. <laughs> yeah. try, I won't ever try to do this again. I, I promise. Just give. We're going to have another points. trivia special where Palmer and I start with a big handicap. <laughs> <laughs> I. I listened to some, uh, what's it called? Intellectual, uh, no, recreational thinking today. Made me think of our podcast with Yogesh yep. and how absolutely amazing that was. Yep. I missed it. Uh, made me very happy to think about. Uh, I am Dan Trader. I'm in Portland, Oregon. I'm not actually mad at these guys. You can't do everything all the time. Sometimes, if you got a big group, you do small group stuff. It's okay, guys. I'm not mad. Also, I'm planning a rogue pod already. Uh, so keep <laughs> I your- love it. <laughs> Keep, keep your podcast feeds updated. Mm. It's going to be a good one. Oh, yeah. Uh, there is a listener listening that knows exactly what I'm talking about. Oh, you my keep your God. Mouth shut, I'm listener. so excited. Jesus. That's amazing. This is becoming That's like, so we're becoming like a super group that has all these like splinter albums. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, oh, yeah, check out the new Palmer uh, specific podcast. Uh, I'm the, we're the, 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 a lot of people say we're the traveling Wilburys of podcasts. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh, Palmer, you're not in Portland. I am not in Oregon. I'm back where it all started in Chicago this weekend. Uh, just enjoying a perfect summer Chicago weekend. Um, you know, I know this pod is not known for its hot takes, mainly mild takes, but I'm going to go out and say that uh, Chicago is the best summer city in the world. Uh, Minneapolis love, is up there. Wow. I love, wow. this, in I the love world. this city during the summer. It's amazing. I'm, I'm on Team Palmer. 
I mean, wow. it's nice, but it ain't. Chicago. I'm a Sochi. I'm a Sochi guy myself. <laughs> uh, Mike in Minneapolis, not willing to defend it. It's been too hot here, though. You know, the the perks of living in the upper Midwest are you deal with you know seven to nine it's months of just god awful weather, and then you get three months of of very pleasant weather, and it's been ninety degrees ten days in a row. It's just unacceptable, and that's, that's why I'm moving to Chicago. Yeah, uh, where it been, never gets been pretty hot here too. To be fair, you just said it was a perfect day. It was I'm perfect. Okay. Palmer likes I had the browns. The the temperature did not factor into my uh, ability to enjoy the perfect day. It was hot, but it was still a perfect day. What do you want? I had, I had some beers on the Riverwalk. Like, come on. It just sounds like a great day, but I don't know if it was perfect. I don't know. Maybe we just have different standards. It's subjective, isn't it? Let's move on. We got two warm-ups here. I'm already <laughs> feeling warm. I know Colin is real warm. I'm toasty. It's late in the swamp, Colin. Yeah, I got nothing to say. I did not have a perfect weekend. I don't want to talk about it. Let's move on. Saw Damn. some photos of Colin. Right. We won't. We won't. Uh, I got two warm-ups. One that uh, a listener suggested uh, through a back channel. So this was not within sight of the others on soccerthread at gmail.com which makes it a great quiz warm-up. The European Championships have started. They started on Friday. It was great. Uh, there have been 15 editions of the Euros, dating back to 1960. And there have been winners. I haven't actually decided how many there are, because there are some duplicates. Uh, so 15 iterations and uh, 10-ish winners, it looks like, something like that. Here's your quiz. Winners of the UEFA European Championships. Uh, we'll go in order on my screen. Palmer, you're up first. Um, <clears throat> Portugal. That's right. They won in 2016. That is their first and only win uh, to date. Colin. Spain. Spain won it in 2000. Uh, well, let's start at 1964. A 2-1 win over the Soviet Union at the Santiago Bernabeu. Uh, and then waited 44 more years until 2008 and then 2012. So they've got three total. Mike? Uh, France. France won it in 2000 and 1984. They beat Spain in 84 and Italy in extra time, I think is what that coloring means, uh, in 2000 and, and 2000. Give me, uh, give me Greece. Yeah, good one. Thank 2004, you. 500 to 1 odds, I think, if I recall correctly. Uh, first and only, of course. Huge underdogs in that tournament. Colin. I will just take Germany then. Germany won it in 96. That is right. Mike. I will take the Netherlands. The Netherlands won it in 88. Well done. Palmer, getting tougher. Uh, it is getting tougher. Can I? I don't even know. Italy? Yeah, they won it in 68. I th well, I won't say anything. Good guess. Shit, Palmer. Um, are, you gonna, are you splitting Germany and West Germany? Are those different countries? Depends who you ask. It depends who you Mike, ask. Can we, Mike, can we get a ruling? 
I mean, I have to assume he is splitting West Germany because he only said Germany's won once, and I assume they've won more than once. So, yeah, okay. I'm, then I'll guess West. I'll guess West Germany. Yeah, they won in 1972. They beat the Soviet Union in Brussels. I Mike. will. I will take uh, Denmark. Yeah, that's the one that I was wondering if anyone would remember. Of course, they famously won it in '92 with uh, Schmeichel, I think, as their captain that year. Uh, up the Danes, 1992. Really getting tight now. Now this gets. Ooh, uh, West Germany also won it in 1980. There are only two left: 1960 and 1976. Uh, <clears throat> let's see, 1960. Let's go, like. Yugoslavia or something. Oh, Yugoslavia lost in 1960 in the final 2-1. Oh. To uh, they also lost 2-0 in 1968 to Italy. That's so a great guess, A good though. guess. They, they've guess. been right in there. Great guess. Yep. Look, great former country. Excellent. <laughs> One of the top former countries. I, I'm going to go former country again. We're just rolling with former countries. I'll go for the Soviets. Yeah, they won in 1960. They beat Yugoslavia two to one uh, in a very four more countries. Yeah, just a a very Eastern European feeling uh, final that one was. Mike, to stay alive, can you get the winner in 1976? Uh, Belgium. Belgium uh, lost in 1980 to West Germany. That is their only appearance in the finals, meaning they did not win in 1976, which makes Khan the official winner. Wow. 1976, we are looking for another former country. Czechoslovakia. That's right. Yep. That Czechoslovakia is the other one. Killing it. You Absolutely guys, killing you, it. You guys did great at that. Well done. I'm impressed. That's great. Yep. All right. That's warm up number one. Everyone's hammy's good. Feeling all right. I feel like I might need another well, warm up. It's the best thing I've tight. done all weekend. I've a lost at everything I've tried at all weekend. Gardening, painting, I've lost at things I didn't know I could lose at. <laughs> and it uh, just feels good to, for the pod to bring up my spirits here late in the Can weekend. Can we talk about gardening? Mike, yeah, how's your gardening going? Uh, pretty good. It's getting a little out of control, which is fine. Tomatoes are still alive. Basil is still alive. So, you know, we'll take it. We'll take it. Awesome. Awesome. My gardening's going great. I have won at gardening this weekend. I'm very happy about it. <laughs> uh, that's warm-up number one. We've got another warm-up. I saw a tweet today from uh, Zietz or Zito, uh, who's an American soccer tweeter person. Uh, great follow, if you don't follow him. Great follow. He uh, suggested that because the American commentary for the Euros and for the uh, Copa America are... The commentary is just so bad. Really unlistenable. <laughs> That we need to I've put been together. saying this for years, by the way. It's true. I mean, look, if you can get the Spanish language 100% of the time, watch Learn it in Spanish. Learn Spanish. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but, but Zietz's suggestion was we just put together a soundtrack instead and just watch soccer with a soundtrack, and that's better than the commentary. Uh, so warm-up number two is what are you putting on that soundtrack? What, what kind of vibe are you going for? <laughs> Specifics, uh, et cetera. It's, it's like... Game dependent, though, right? Like, I feel like the soundtrack of, like, the Netherlands-Ukraine game, at least in the second half, should have been, like, the yakety-yak, the sax, (laughs) like, uh, Keystone Cops kind of thing, just because it was so wild and, like, 
so you're calling for a DJ, somebody live <laughs> in charge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, I they mean, do it with the, do... they do it with the piped in crowd noise in the uh, empty stadiums now for COVID, right. right? It's all about game states. It's about game states. <laughs> I love it. See, my my answer to this was this has already been done, and the people who did it already did a great fucking job. In if you have owned somewhere th- from b- between like FIFA 2000 to FIFA 2014 or something like that. Great point. Those all had fucking killer soundtracks. Yep. And they were all like, some of them were a little bit uh, artists who were like offbeat or like not, not exactly mainstream. It's not radio music, you know, but it got in your head and they got you hyped up to play FIFA. And yep. that's the same hyped up you need to be to watch soccer. Um, the one, uh, what's the Fat Boy Slim song that is is on one of those? But like, oh god, it's I just, know what you're talking about. F- Funk Soul Brother. Yeah. Yes. yes. That's yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's on one of the like old old ones, like 2003. Just all Fat Boy Slim. That feels like yeah. <laughs> Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. X Square. So good. Triangle. So good. So good. So good for soccer. Yeah, I, my thought in general for this is very similar. Like, you need something that you can kind of, like, get lost in the vibe a little bit. And I thought immediately yeah. of uh, my beautiful, dark, twisted fantasy, Kanye. Mm. Just, like, just, just let it flow over you. Let it, let it mesh with the game. It can be a little slow. Most of soccer is kind of slow. And you just uh, you get lost in that feeling. That's, that was my first thought. I like it. I feel like there's... There's two ways you can go here. There's like songs you can play that are going to like really pump up the crowd and the players and just get everybody going an extra 50%. So you can, you can go that way. And the song that comes to mind, I don't know what it's called, but if anyone's seen the movie Creed, um, the song that like the, the British boxer uh, walks into. Tony Bellew, fucking yep. massive Evertonian. Yes. Yep. The song he walks into, which is, I don't know, some like English rap song, but it's like just the the beat is just really like ominous and just almost scary, I would say. Uh, so you could go that direction, but the direction I'd like to see us go is just real kind of a carefree direction. Uh, and there's a song I don't, for some reason I associate it with, with uh, our college soccer days. I don't know if this is true or not, but it's called love generation by Bob Sinclair. Just a really, really pleasant song. Uh, and I would just love to hear that just piped in. Uh, you know, guys, while, while a I bunch have, of, you know, I've, grownups are just running around chasing a ball. I figured this out. I, I answered this question. This is the perfect answer. Okay. Uh, the Euros are teams, obviously, that compete against uh, European nations. Eurovision is <laughs> when yes. uh, acts uh, from all over Europe compete to find, I don't know, the best act. What needs to happen is each Euro uh, team gets a half to highlight their artist. So not only do they have to bring a team, they have to bring an artist, and each half that artist plays. Do, do they, uh, are they playing like original they, songs, or are they playing yeah, you know, yeah. covers? Yeah, or it's original songs? songs, right? So, um, and then the uh, the winning. Uh, the winning team or the winning act after uh, each game gets an extra point uh, in the group stages. 
and helps them move on. Oh, I see. I say you save it for knockouts and then just just like no PKs. Oh, no PKs. If, yes. if you go, yes. if you go to PKs and it's just like, all right, we're going to the we're going to the clicks. Who's we, got more? I, we can keep I, but, it. What What about this wrinkle? So the the band or whatever the musical group introduces a song, but then it has to be performed by the players <laughs> <laughs> instead of PKs. Love the it. The reserves Perfect. has to be performed by the reserves. <laughs> It changes squad building completely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I would be remiss, by the way, now that Mike has uh, brought up the like connection to a- our actual playing soccer days, uh, if I didn't mention the fact that um, in high school soccer, we did this only our senior year uh, because we had a coach who would let us do anything. And that is, we would, we would always play this... We, Halfway through the year, we were not very good. Halfway through the year, we started winning every game, and it was because we started playing. Uh, well, like our lucky whatever thing was Bob Marley's Legend, playing that from the start all the, the, through warm ups till game time. And then, you know, we rolled off like 10 or 12 wins in a row doing that. And so we, we would bring it on the road in a boombox, CD in a boombox, and then we would warm up like behind the other team's stands because they'd have like music pumping on the field. And so we could hear. Bob Marley legend and do our little warm-ups and then we would come in and play. Love and it. it took us all the way to state finals. So shit, if there's any team out there who's like, I mean, this is music for the fans, not for the teams, but uh, you know, North Macedonia, if you're looking to turn your fortunes around, that's, that's what I'm going to recommend. Ajax is like very closely tied to three little birds, right? They, yeah, there they you just go. released right. the Bob Marley kit. So Boom. it's there. Uh, that's excellent stuff. We, I mean, love a warm-up, but we've got a bunch of emails, too. Uh, it's going to be a long one. Mike, we should get into it. we got a bunch of emails. I'm, I'm just making an executive uh, decision here. Dan, as the CEO, values you know self-starters and leaders, and we're not going to read all these emails. Um, we're going <laughs> to read a lot of them, but we're not going to read all of them. We love you all, but them's the breaks. Uh, so the first email that we're going to read, not the first email we, we received. Uh, sorry, Pedro, we're not going to read your email. Uh, the first email we're going to read is from Ryan Donnelly. Uh, he, he says a lot of people are really frustrated with Josh Sargent's performance, particularly, uh, this was after the Honduras game. He says, I understand the frustration, but he almost should get credited for a goal based solely on the goal he saved. Uh, if you all remember, this was like two weeks ago now, but Sargent headed a ball off the line. Um, Palmer, do we want our strikers to score goals or do we want them to prevent the other team from scoring goals? I thought defenders were the ones who are supposed to prevent the other team from scoring goals and strikers are the ones who are supposed to score goals for your team. Is that, am I getting this wrong? No, you, uh, you've, it's nailed on, uh, in terms of, for somebody that hates tactics, that was tactically perfect, Mike. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I, I love this, right. But I think we also, to your point, Mike, we do talk about strikers uh, scoring goals, but we also talk about strikers being a very important part of the team in that they can play in different positions. They can drop back to receive the ball. Sometimes they can defend. Harry Kane is very good at it. Um, I wouldn't say that we should give Josh, Josh Sargent a goal uh, because of this, but I also think that Josh Sargent served a purpose, and I think his purpose was uh, 
I think he was supposed to def- probably be more of like a ball winner um, and just like a, a needle in in the side uh, to to steal a um, a colonism. Um, he's a very good Concacaf player, I think. I think that work rate, um, the the willingness to defend, uh, is going to win us games in Concacaf qualifying. I don't think it's going to win us games in the World Cup, um, in like knockout stages. Uh, but you know, I I don't hate this from Sargent, and I honestly I didn't really hate his performance. I feel like we're being a little too hard on him. I mean, if that's what you want out of Josh Sargent, play him next to. Uh, Tyler Adams in the defensive midfield role. That's not what a striker, like what we need to do to win CONCACAF games is score goals. And that's what we're not yep. good at. And that's what Josh Sargent is not good at. That's fair. Did you watch the Costa Rica game? We scored a lot of goals against CONCACAF <laughs> opposition with our defenders. Reggie, did? With, Reggie Cannon. Sargent. Did you see Reggie Cannon? Josh Sargent? Woo. I mean, he didn't play in that game. Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I'm just saying, I agree that, when we had, this is like last generation comparison. I'm gr- just like agreeing with Palmer. We had last generation. Uh, we had Josie, who we thought could be the complete do-everything striker, but maybe he wasn't as good. But then we had Bobby Wood, who did everything but score. And we had Chris Wondolowski, who in his league was just scoring, but mm. like really doesn't give you much else. And we all liked Bobby Wood over Chris Wondolowski. Um, so I, I'm just saying, that like, yeah, I think we're being a little too harsh on him. And that doing the, like, if we had a, a guy who was the reverse and was just scoring a half a goal a game, when he didn't score, we'd be like, why is he even playing? He gives us nothing. Three touches a game. And we'd be so pissed at him. But Josh Sargent doesn't score, but he, he makes uh, plays other, other places in the field. Uh, he's still, you know, still value. And we got Pulisic and Reyna and a bunch of other guys who can score. So I think it's not so yeah. bad. I mean, it's true that strikers do more that or they they can do more than just score goals but i don't think we should be counting on josh Sargent to save a ball off the goal line every game and uh you <laughs> should even count on if, your center backs to do that yeah i mean hopefully hopefully we don't have any balls to save off the goal line every game but uh yeah i mean it's a it's a fun it's a fun thought exercise ryan but uh to answer your question which is an actually a question as you note uh i'm not giving them i'm not giving them a goal for that that's not going in the official thread podcast stats also if we, i mean give him a goal for that that's not going to like bring his goal scoring average to a point where any of us are going to be impressed by it so it, that's not he's a stat still, he's is, still bobby wood he's still bobby still, wood in yeah, the yeah, yeah, right yeah. the count is still very low for the uh plus goal differential that he's providing yep yep uh ryan also notes uh, this is for you in particular, Colin. Revs are top of the table in the East, second for her supporter shield, and he does accept your apology. Um, so, so luckily we have benevolent fans. Here I would like to invoke a, um, you know, we all love these like uh, quotable moments from former players or coaches. I mean, one of my favorites that actually people haven't, you know, acknowledged as much, I, is like less famous than I think it should be, is Mercury Morris, who said, Murky Morris, if you're not familiar with who that is, he's the running back of the 1972 Dolphins who yep. went undefeated. And they asked him about the, at the time, 9-0 uh, New England Patriots. So, you know, Ryan Donnelly should be familiar with this. But he said, don't call me when you're in my town. Call me when you're on my block, unloading your furniture, moving in next door. 
So, so Ryan Donnelly doesn't like a lot of advance warning. Yeah, Ryan Donnelly, don't <laughs> tell like me to talk to people. Don't call doesn't me when the revs are up. top of the table in you know mid June. Talk, talk to me when they're top of the table and it's two weeks from the end of the season. I it's like early. I just, it's early. There's other good teams. It's they're, not that early. They're a decent but team, but eh, I I would like eight games. I, eight games. I just like uh, his uh, email is literally at me. Um, <laughs> so I just his email is just screaming at me right now. I love yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Next email is from uh, Burge. Uh, he had a few things for us to, to, to munch on, but Dan has only highlighted one of them. I think it was Dan, maybe it was someone else. And despite what I said earlier, I'm not really a go-getter. I'm not really a self-starter. I just do what I'm told. <laughs> uh, so the question from Burrs that we're going to talk about, uh, he says, what matters most as an American soccer fan, what would be the most significant result? A, the U S men's national team defeating Mexico in the CONCACAF nations league. Check. Check. Uh, B, the U.S. women's national team winning Olympic gold and therefore holding both the World Cup and the Olympic titles simultaneously, uh, to be determined, or C, the U.S. men's national team winning the gold cup. And related, does the significance change based on if the results uh, are against Mexico in the gold cup? Dan, what are your thoughts? Do you want to rank these? Uh I could rank them, but the honest answer... Actually, I'm not sure if the Olympics and the Gold Cup happen concurrently. I think the Gold Cup is first. But mm-hmm. the honest answer is that I'm all in on whichever one is happening. Like, I don't... I'm not going to care any less about one because I think it's lesser than any of the other two in this case. Like, but I just want to watch I could only, soccer team. If I said you can only have one, and if, if you take one, you're going to lose the other two. Uh, women's Olympics. Yeah. Like wow, that's the, Dan, giving back, giving back the Nations League sure. title that we've already earned. There was two games, one of them against Honduras. <laughs> like, like, there was yeah. a group stage we, before that. There was a group stage where we had to play some minnows in Canada. Uh, yeah, that's not this summer. I don't know, whatever. Right. Yeah, no, but I the, agree with you. The Olympic tournament this is... It's a, a big the, deal. It's For a bigger sure. deal. It is, you know, on level terms in the women's game with the World Cup. Right. Uh, we always have a legitimate chance of winning. So there's massive excitement every time the gold cup. We're not going to have our full squad there for the men. Uh, the CONCACAF nations league boiled down to essentially a, a one-off game. The, the Olympics, it's gotta be the Olympics. That's yeah. the big one. This summer. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're not getting a, a presidential visit. Uh, if you win the gold cup, you're not you getting go. a ticker That's tape right. parade in New York. If you win the CONCACAF nations league. Yeah, it's obviously yep. the Olympics. I mean, it's not. The, it would not be uh, the most surprising, maybe, but uh, it would be. Yeah, it's the biggest one. Yeah. All right. Think. Uh, good question. We all agree on that one. Uh, next email is from Wait, Raymond. Can we rank the bottom two? What do we care more about, the Nations League or the Gold Cup? Nations League. That's eighteen. Nations League. Okay. Good. Now we can move on. Sorry, Mike. Now we can move on. Hey, I'm just doing what I'm told. Uh, Next email is from Raymond. Uh, I just got to read this first line because I really enjoyed it. Uh, He's talking about last week's U.S.-Mexico finals game. He said, I thought this was a highly entertaining U.S.-Mexico game. I actually won a case of Modelo because I bet my Mexican friend Javier that the U.S. would win. Love it. (laughs) Why Raymond was not invited 
onto last week's gambling podcast after that kind of prowess. Yeah, exactly. I do not understand. <laughs> a case of Modelo is like the perfect, uh, uh, what do you call it? Prize Wager. or whatever. Wager, yeah, for a, for a U.S.-Mexico game. Fucking I, love it. I do wonder, though, if, if the beer type was dependent on the winner. So, like, if... If uh, Mexico had won, would Raymond have had to deliver, you know, a, a twelve of Miller High Life or something? But heavy, <laughs> but heavy, but yeah. heavy, but heavy. Yep, yep. Um, Raymond does point out that uh, if this was a World Cup qualifier, this would this game would have ended up in a tie because it went into extra time, uh, and it would have been two points dropped from uh, for the U.S. You know, Dempsey in all of his commentary was like, "Gotta win your home games. Gotta win your home games." Palmer, does that? Change how you feel about this result at all? Um, no, we didn't really. I mean, we didn't really beat Mexico at home. It was really a tie. <laughs> I it was a draw. I mean, I don't. This is no. It doesn't change the. I think that this was. I still think about this game and and like our reaction to it immediately after, and I just I feel like it was. Regardless of the result, it was um, a moment for this particular young group that was able to fight back and come back twice in a game and win it and have like a big result for them to kind of hang their hats on, um, at least for the future and moving forward. Um, I mean, do you want to split hairs and say like this wasn't a World Cup qualifying? It wasn't. It uh, like. I don't know. The, these hypotheticals are weird to me. Um, the game yeah, I mean, didn't I mean, end this in is, a draw. It, it, it was is, a win. It's, it's a big yeah. result. I, Th- to me, this is just as silly as saying if one of the VARs had gone the other way, right? If this had gone the other way I, or if that had gone the other way. It's like, but it didn't. That was never the, the situation. Yeah. Like, you knew you know, the rules going into the they, game. Exactly. Like they, they knew the rules going way. in, blah, blah, blah. Right. They knew it, there, it was going to be a... Con- it's like, if they had a, a, a decent ref, the result would have been like this. It's like, well, yeah. so? Like, there, there was I, never going to be a decent ref. It was going to be a CONCACAF ref the whole time. My, my wife and I were running late for our flight to Chicago, of course. Uh, and <laughs> I was told that we were going to leave at 10.30 in the morning. We left at... 10.45. We were 15 minutes late. We're perpetually 15 minutes late. Wow, chinchilla. Uh, my my <laughs> wife forgot her key, her cell phone in the car, so I had to run all the way back to the car uh, to get her phone. Um, and she said, you know, uh, oh, so it took a while to get through security. We weren't able to get a snack, so she was a little cranky on the plane. I've been And there. she said, yeah. you know, if... Not mad. If I wouldn't have left my my cell phone in the car, we would have had time to uh, to get Get a snack. snack. Yeah. And I was like, no, let's go back to what actually happened. If we were just on time, things would have would have been just fine. Right. So you can like parse all these things out and be like, if the referee was better or if this was, you know, in the Azteca or if the case of the matter was it wasn't. And we if were traffic late, was and lighter. you didn't if get a security snack. Was different. That's what the case is. We won <laughs> this game. It's an important result. The real no story snacks. here there is There were no that, snacks oh. in this entire game. We still won it. <laughs> How do we do that? Security was long. Doesn't matter. You got to win the game. The real story here is of all the analogies that Palmer could have chosen, he chose the we could have we could have been here on time, but my wife made us late analogy. 
And I think I think there's more more to dig into here. And frankly, listeners, I'd love to know your thoughts. Uh, many of you may <laughs> be in relationships. You it's may possible know that there's a pattern of behavior. It's possible. Seems possible. Uh, it seems possible that Jill being late is the Concacaf refing of uh, Palmer's, <laughs> Palmer's you can, relationship. You can count on it. You. Uh, Raymond in his next sentence says, "This is arguably the weakest men's na- or the weakest Mexican national team since 2013," which I think shows exactly like the rationalization that Altri fans are going through because yep. guess what happened the last time in 2013 guess what game that was that was the last time the US beat Mexico in a competitive game so they're measuring I mean at least the way that Raymond is setting this yeah, up right? exactly. his measuring stick is like oh well the last time we lost we weren't very good like well yeah you lost that's right that's how that works like yeah. that's not an excuse that's how that's how team sports work. Like when you were better, you won. When you were not as good, you lost. Like that. Like what's? I don't understand the argument, right? Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah, yeah. You weren't I mean, as good as the, us last time argument, we beat you. The That's argument right. is that uh, you know it's like something has to be static in your world. So it's like, oh, uh, the quality of the U.S. men's national team must be static, and the quality of Mexican national team must be varying. So. Uh, we were low then, so we dipped below you, and then we got back to normal, and then we dipped below you again. Like, there's no way that the U.S. men's national team could be getting better that during that time, right? And we could be, <laughs> you know, just level, just yeah. level, right? Exactly. Well, and like my excitement about the U.S. men's national team is not that it's the same team and we've been coached up in the last eight years, and now we're better than we were in 2013. Like, my excitement is that it's dynamic, and we're we have on paper our players are way better. Like, I'll take that. That's, a, that's not a problem for me. Right, it's <laughs> also not a problem for now. me if this is the weakest Mexican team since 2013. I'm very, right. like, I have no, you know, uh, what are, shame in being like, oh, yeah, Mexico's bad right now, so we get to beat them. Cool. Like, I'm, I'm for that. Yeah. What are the, uh, the stages of grief? You, you, you bargain. <laughs> denial. You, denial. Denial. This, yeah. this is denial. <laughs> Well, or is it acceptance that he's just that's, accepting? That's the, the end. That's the yeah. end. <laughs> yeah, I don't think it's denial. I mean, I don't know. It just seems like kind of a fact. And yeah, to Colin's point, it's like, okay, that will work. If El Tree's not going to be in great form for the next, you know, few years, that's totally fine. Yeah, I hope all the good teams to, of the world sounds like will, we'll be qualifying will also if, be their uh, worst team, not. you know, for yeah. the next five years or longer. And maybe we should just keep the record straight a little bit. It's... Not at least for me that I hate El Tree for any specific reason, except that this is an unbelievable rivalry. Yeah. Right. Like exactly. I love it because of exactly what it is. I have no like actual hard feelings towards El Tree. Whatever. Like you just get lost in the rivalry. That's what we're here for. That's why we podcast. It's something that's not our normal life that we get to look at. So okay. you know, big up El Tree for being the bad guy in this little uh, make believe compartmentalized part of our life. This Wonderful. is. I'm, I'm actually going to show a little bit of initiative here, uh, which goes against my better self. Um, but I was thinking today because we, we were we were ch- talking um, on our on our uh, Jesus can't talk. It's too late. I should be asleep. Uh, we were talking <laughs> on our text thread about how much we love an international tournament and just how much yeah. fun it is. And I was just and, and it's true. I do love an international tournament. And I I have some theories why. But there's also like a lot that I, I don't like. Like, I don't like nationalism, uh, which is essentially... And, and I think there's something to be said probably for all of us here about we're not 
hyper-nationalists uh, on this podcast. I think that's fair to say. And, and so it's kind of like there's all these other things beyond... Well, there's a lot of room there. We're not hyper-nationalists. <laughs> we might dabble, but... Semi. Get under that hey, bar. Look, I, I don't want to speak for Colin over here. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, honestly, like, what, what is it about international tournaments in particular that we love so much? I mean, for me, I just, I just feel like ever since I can remember tuning into international tournaments, like, just the, the quality of the TV product visually, like, not yeah. the studios, like, fuck that, uh, but just, like, the way the game is shot, like, the fields are always immaculate, the goals yeah. are just, like, extra, like, the nets are extra taut, just like everything is just so uh, just so chef's kiss just looks yeah. so good. I agree. There's I agree. there's colors, there's colors too because like, you know, uh to your nationalist point, but there will be like, you know, Sweden will will be all yellow, so you'll have a, a side of the stadium that is all yellow or the Dutch with all orange. Um, yeah, the fans that, are better. That is cool. I think the other part about this is uh is that soccer's on all day and it's in the summer. And so you're out of school. This is kind of like when we were falling in love with soccer. We're out of school. We wake up in the morning and we watch soccer until three o'clock in the afternoon. It's a great day. It's yeah. maybe not a perfect day, Mike, but it's a pretty damn good day. Yeah, it could be too hot. It might be a little humid. I think also the, I mean, not to be, uh, I don't want to bring my own nationalist streaks in here, but like playing on the other people's nationalism, uh, like the Italian, <laughs> like the Italian singing their, the Italian singing their national anthem, the screaming like, of the national, anthem. the screaming yeah. of the national anthem thing. Like you get that, like just the passion of the players is more. I mean, whether the passion of the players is more because they care more about playing for their national team, yeah, probably, but also because they only get to play, you know three games maybe in this tournament instead of 38 in the league. Right. Yeah. And so it's this distilled into like, you know, 90 minutes is like very, this is it. This is very intense. This really matters. Like, and so that means like, there's just like very few that are, I don't know, throwaway yeah. games, so to speak. There's also an element of uh, just randomness. I think in international games, that's fun. Uh, and that's also with the players. Like, this is less an issue now, but I feel like there was a time for, for a while where I just knew so many players in club football. You know, you just yeah. a, a big team would try out their squad and be like, cool, yep, I know all these guys, I know what they do. Right. Uh, you know, even some of the quote-unquote big countries, I'm like, who is this left back? I've literally never heard of him. Oh, he plays, you know, he plays for whatever, Hamburg or I know, some kind of who- random team. I had to like, look up oh, who Bellingham kind of was from, from England today. <laughs> or like who he played for. He's Joe Reyna's buddy. Yeah. He's one of the few guys I know. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I love that. Yeah. Speaking anyway. of which, uh, this is like, this ties into the point I wanted to make earlier, actually. But like, I'm excited for Canada to be good. Uh, I feel like Canada has always been shit, basically. I mean, I don't know if they were good in the 80s or something. But like, bef- since we've cared, Canada has never been good. And right now they're thanks, atta- thanks Owen Hargreaves could have been <laughs> yeah exactly but Let it go Dan now they're they're attacking front three could be the best in Concacaf uh, Alfonso Davies Kyle Laren and Jonathan David who Jonathan David is one of these guys who you're like who's that but he's actually 
like he was a starter and for Lille and a big reason they were so good this year. Um, I think he, he was a more expensive transfer than Alfonso Davies actually. So like there, and he's, I don't know how old he is. 21 years old. 21. Yeah. yeah. 21. So like there are three attackers who are super young, super talented, like, this is their golden generation, so to speak. So I think that we could, in this same generation of Americans that we're all so excited about, have a Canadian rivalry as well as the Mexican rivalry. And that would be, to me, is like, yeah, that would be fun. Like, fuck yeah. Like, let's, I mean, I hope we win all those games, but yeah, it's only fun to, have we win. More, to have more spicy games with the Canadians instead of just yeah. against Mexico would be great. Right. Be yeah. great drama. I just want yep. drama. Yep. Jonathan David, born in Brooklyn, New York, New York. Why is he not an American uh, soccer player? Because uh, he's Two really Canadian. Also. Yeah. Uh, anyway, apparently that was still the email section. Soccerthread at gmail.com. Uh, you know, send us an email. Tell us about the time you did or did not show initiative. <laughs> uh I really appreciate that Mike is skipping the Raymond email that asks us to name players on the Mexican national team uh, and compare that to how many players we can name on the England national team. Uh, point point taken, Ray. Yeah. We're going to skip that. We'll take the L and move on. That's fair. Uh, <laughs> Colin is now showing his England national team jersey to the camera. I'm ready to put this on just for Euros chat right now. Uh, yeah. Ray, that email would have just gotten us into uh, media and availability and NBC and uh, English language <laughs> coverage and all of that. So just take that. You know, we've yeah. had that conversation. All the excuses. That's the answer you're looking for. Yeah. All the excuses. Oh, wow. Colin is putting the England jersey on. He that is ready. Like a, that looks like a David sleeve. Beckham long sleeve Euro, like 97 or whatever. 2002, maybe? Yeah, that's closer. 2004 uh, 2000, Euros, baby. I guess. Yeah. 2004 Euros. The I, bought this, I bought this in, in, in England and then played uh, goalie in it that whole senior year of high school that I was telling you about us listening to Bob Marley. <laughs> <laughs> what a strange year. Wearing a David Beckham jersey in goal for his high school and listening to Bob Marley. <laughs> There's no David Beckham on the back, first of all. But it is. I mean, come on. Nobody <laughs> saw that jersey and was like anyone else. Long sleeve. Michael Owen wasn't wearing the long sleeve, I don't think. <laughs> uh, the Euros kicked off. We love an international soccer tournament. Did you hear? Did you know? Uh, opening game on Friday. Turkey playing at Italy. Uh, Italy with a 3-0 win. This is the Group A, obviously, first up. Uh, took a while for Italy to get the breakthrough, but eventually got it through an own goal. Uh, sad for whoever that guy's name was. Uh, but, you know... Italy made the chance. Italy were making chances. It was coming. I don't think it was a, uh, you know, a terrible own goal in the way that some are really. Uh, but Mike, I, th- I think Italy basically looked pretty comfortable here. Um, how do you feel about them? So an- another thing I forgot to mention that I like about international football is because there's so few games, you just have these long-lasting like stereotypes of how certain teams play and like. Oh, you know, Italy, they're they're a tournament team. Like they're always good in tournaments. Like you gotta watch they out for them. They know how to play defense. Or at uh, least they did twenty years ago. Yep, yep. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. Somebody I, was it you Palmer? Someone uh was like big up in Italy in last week's podcast no, and saying how they haven't lost in a long time. Keevan. Keep, yeah. Keevan. Good job, Keevan. Um, don't take over our precious podcast. It's all we have. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
But yeah, I mean, Italy looked good, and uh, we're getting on to Switzerland. They didn't look good. Italy also has three home games here, so they seem like pretty kind of shoe-ins to win their group, I would say. Yeah. Um, goals from Immobile and Insigne in the 66th and 79th after that own goal in the 53rd. Uh, really ended up cruising. I thought they looked great. They could play through pressure. They played in tight spaces. They just looked like a club team almost in the way that they were fluid and could connect, which you don't often see, especially at like early stages of uh, international tournaments. Uh, England, I mean, Italy, they look good. Yeah, what struck me about this was that uh, this is the same kind of thinking of uh, you don't really know these guys or whatever. You have these stereotypes, but um, that we don't know, like we watch mostly the Premier League, right? Like that's the number one club soccer league outside of MLS, at least that we follow. Uh, most of these teams we're going to or countries we're going to talk about, their top players or somebody in their top players, maybe not their first guy, but you know, some guys in the mix for them have played a lot in England. And so we know a lot of guys on their team or, you know, we're pretty familiar with them, but I, I felt like Italy was a little different and that like a lot of their top players have been in Serie A forever. And right now mm-hmm. Serie A is like a little bit down. So they're also like not really guys who've gone that far and maybe in the Champions League to get attention or some of them are, but some of them aren't like the two guys you mentioned in Signe and uh, Giro Immobile. Immobile. Um, so like, is also kind of harkens back to that era of like, oh, who is this guy? Like, you know, learning about players at the unknown, yeah, from some at random country. tournaments where you're like, yeah, I've heard about this guy, but I haven't really seen him a lot. Um, but he's really good, and I should have seen him. But like, yeah. there's an access problem, um, and that you rarely get that now, right? Because everything's so globalized. And that was that's to me that's my favorite part about, I mean, uh, one of the favorite things about international tournaments, but about this Italy team. Yeah. It's a funny balance, though, because it has to be a big team like Italy. If it's like North Macedonia right. and it's a guy you've never heard of, you don't, it's not that exciting. He's not you that don't good. actually care that much. He's, he's, yeah, exactly. There's no way he's that good. You're not going to look up and be like, oh, wow, he had 34 starts for uh, Fiorentina. Like, you know, right. whatever. Yeah. So there's a balance between it has to be on a big team, but also somebody you don't really know anything about. Yeah. Uh, the other game in Group A was Wales, Switzerland. Wales come from behind to get a win, or I'm sorry, to get a draw. Uh, that felt like a win. Yeah? Wales a draw happy with that this? felt like a win. Wales was not good this game. Wales was bad. Yeah, they weren't good. But, I mean, you have to appreciate that Granit Xhaka is bringing, bringing his leadership skills that he's honed at Arsenal <laughs> onto the Swiss side. Uh, Snatching listen, a draw from the, the you know, grips of uh, victory. Yeah, this is uh this is why I picked Swiss to to finish last in their group. I I just don't think that um I don't think like you guys I think Keevan mentioned that um they played the US and they beat the US pretty pretty handily. Uh they were mentioning that the Swiss had been undefeated in in like 2021 or something. Um but they this was kind of a snoozy game. They definitely kind of bossed Wales um, and should have come away with with a victory. But 1-1 has to leave a bad taste in their mouth. And it doesn't get any easier for them as they head to Italy uh, to play Italy in Rome in their next game. So A snoozy game between two middling teams also. Yeah. I mean, if that isn't 
you know, summer tournament soccer. Yep. What is? <laughs> it's beautiful, beautiful. Um, Switzerland's still unbeaten, I would say. Still unbeaten. That's and fair. Switzerland versus Italy, maybe the two best teams in the group, and bordering nations. So that's, that's nice. That's good stuff right there. It's coming up. The next game was uh, Denmark and Finland. Obviously, the, the talking point of this entire first weekend. Uh, and the result really doesn't matter when you've got a, a, a th- something on the field happening uh, like it did. Christian Eriksen goes down in the 50, 43rd minute. Uh, just before halftime, uh, we learn later cardiac arrest, apparently no underlying conditions. These guys obviously go through medicals every year and on every transfer. And like if he had anything going on that was possible to have caught ahead of time, it would have been uh, scary stuff. He was down for a long time. Uh, they, they suspended the game going into halftime and then ended up coming back and playing the rest of it uh, later that evening. We can talk about the UEFA stuff, um, but Palmer, I know you were watching this live. Do you, I mean, just what was your reaction? Uh, Do you have anything that it, hasn't been said, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't think that there's anything that, that's, that's been said that can add to just the, the, the terror um, of just watching that. Um, he, as soon as he fell, it was like, what just happened? Like... Um, you knew something was wrong. Um, I don't. I don't know what the player's name was. The Danish player that put him immediately into the recovery position. Um, so Klar or something uh, like that. Yeah, just fantastic. Captain, yeah, you know, response um, from him. Um, fantastic response from the medical team that were were able to uh, administer CPR to him immediately um, and you know get essentially save his life um yeah it was terrifying it was terrifying to watch uh it was scary to think about all day a young man he's 29 he has a couple kids um so it's just kind of puts everything in perspective uh it is bigger than the game and wish him uh, a very very speeder speedy recovery um you know get get home to those to those kids and your wife this, I mean, absolutely agree with all of that. And, uh, you know, hug the people that you love and tell them that you love them, all of that. Uh, and not to underplay that, but I don't think we need to overstate it either because, you know, we're all fairly emotionally attached people. And I think most of the people that listen to this pod are also. So, you know, that I think is well understood. One thing that I thought about was that I need to, go take a CPR refresher course and, uh, you know, cause you never know. And it yeah. might be me. That's scary, but it might be somebody I'm walking down the street next to. Uh, and could you respond in a way like, um, Kiara did, yeah. uh, and could you help save someone's life? And like, I'd be, I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if I could, uh, and some training would help. And so, uh, I kind of put that on my to-do list following this is, uh, you know, get educated basically. Yeah, and props to those people who saved this guy's life. I mean, it's a very dramatic thing to uh, save someone's life, but it's even more dramatic to save it in front of a stadium full of people. Um, 
you know, that's no easy task. Uh, you know, it's it, no amount of training is going to prepare you for that situation. And everyone's going to handle it differently kind of situation. And uh, I think that it's, it is remarkable that, um, you know, the people that, who were there deserve all the credit in the world for, for saving his life. Right. So, um, yeah, I just, just want to make sure that we, we don't lose sight of that, that, that yep. there are those are real heroes. So, yeah, for sure. Uh, so they did go back and play this. There was a lot of discussion about whether it was the right thing to do to allow these teams to play. Uh, I think UEFA essentially put it in the players' hands, whether they wanted to play that night and finish it. Or, you know, these tournaments are set up. They're always um, understanding that there might be delays to the game or weather or whatever, fan violence, whatever. Um, so there are always ways to play the rest of the game the next day. And it was put to the Denmark fans, whether they wanted to play that night or the next morning. I'm sorry, not fans, Denmark players. players. Um, and the, they basically went out and played that night. I, th- I guess the thinking from the players was that they weren't really going to be in any better state of mind in the morning. Um, which seems f- fine. I mean, it's, I, I don't know. It's really hard for me to figure out whether I'm upset with anybody about this or if this is just how it goes or whether UEFA should have done more to allow uh, flexibility. Uh, yeah, I don't know. And I'm not sure there's much that we can say that also that hasn't been said. We don't need to kill a bunch of time. But Yeah, I mean, I, I would say that I don't think that there's a, a right decision in this. And um, I mean, shit, my, immediately thought, my immediate thought when, when, when he went down and was, this all happened was like, cancel the tournament. <laughs> um, you know, so I think that... There's no right decision. Um, if the players were involved in making that decision, then that's great. And if there was, the, if they weren't, um, and their opinion was not taken into account, uh, and the safety was not taken into account, and UEFA just said play, then that's probably wrong. Um, but as long as the players had voice in this, I guess that's that's their decision to make. So it's just. It feels like to me, I mean, I've never been through something quite this traumatic, but asking someone who's like just been through a really traumatic thing to like make a decision about whether to move on or not. I don't know. To me, it seems like you have to try and protect them. And I think the way to protect them yeah. is to, to tell them to not play. Um, very I don't know. I'm not, I'm not an expert yeah, on this but- kind of thing, but it just feels like you're asking someone to make a really difficult decision. There's a lot of pressure even if UEFA is like we'll do whatever you want there's going to be a lot of pressure on them to continue on and we know professional athletes are not like us they're uber super competitive people they're gonna yeah. basically play unless you tell them they can't masters of compartmentalization yeah yeah exactly and but maybe that's maybe that helps them honestly it's like maybe that's what they want right maybe they want to play and say this i'm, I'm doing this for christian or I, i'm doing this to retain a sense of normalcy if i had to go home i'd have to you know fall out of this uh soccer compartment into my life compartment and then i would be more upset about this and i'd rather stay here at the stadium can i stay here for as long as possible like you know so i I think it's it's just really hard to to put ourselves in their shoes and say this is right this is wrong like you don't know what it's fucking like so 
Yeah. You can guess, and that's fine. I mean, it's fine for us to guess, but just acknowledge that we're just we're making shit up. We don't know what it's like to have your teammate almost die next to you, right? Yeah. Well, and in the in the spirit of making it up, you know, for this tournament to continue without starting to forefoot games or rearrange brackets or whatever, like they have to play this game eventually. Are the Denmark players more prepared to play in a week than they are now? Like the trauma of it, I don't know. And uh, like Mike said, I'm not an expert, right? But like, it doesn't seem like there's any good answer here. Right. Yeah. 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 I, there's no right I, answer. I'm not. I'm not so much complaining about when the game is played. I just. I don't. Th- I don't know. To me, it's like, the players couldn't have been in as good state to make. I. I don't know. Yeah. Have they had yeah, a chance no, to like I'm, really process how they're feeling? Like probably not. Hundred percent. Sorry, I'm not trying at all to uh, disagree with you. I just no, no, the, no I, They're yeah. probably they're probably in that state for a long time. Yeah, exactly. Right? So like, exactly. It's gonna take them a while. How time. do you deal with that? I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I mean, you don't. Maybe you, deal, right? maybe you deal with that by Years. not playing soccer for three months. I don't know. Right. Well, that's what I mean. Maybe you don't. Maybe, yeah. maybe you. Maybe you don't play. The I mean, but also maybe, like maybe you play through that. Like maybe playing helps you process it. Maybe. You know, just living your Being life as normal, pitch, like that's just what's going gonna to take to process it. You know, you're going to continue living your life and now going to therapy once a week, which you didn't used to do. And that's what's going to help you process it. I'm not sure that not playing soccer helps you process it. Right. That's my point. Yeah. Uh, so Finland do come back and end up winning that game. Uh, Schmeichel kind of doesn't do very well on the goal. Uh Denmark have a penalty saved, not a very good penalty. The rest of the game, like, just, it didn't look like top-level soccer. The commentary wasn't top, like, everyone's just out of it. You totally yeah, expect right. totally that. Totally understandable. Um, so, I don't, interesting is the right word, but I think it'll be, uh, I'll be watching to see how the rest of the tournament plays out for Denmark. Obviously, they're now missing probably their best player. That's a huge just a total sporting sense and it doesn't matter but like that's a problem for the team in a purely sporting sense Mm -hmm. um but like if they just ever even look like do they keep playing maybe they decide not to i I don't know like it just throws this entire group of the tournament yeah into this kind of unknown space and i don't i don't have any idea what's going to happen there anyway uh the other game in that group was Belgium and Russia. Uh, Belgium with a 3-0 win over Russia. Uh, Lukaku scores, runs over to the, the camera and says, Christian, we love you, we love you. Uh, they're our club teammates. Uh, it's a really beautiful moment. Um, Colin, obviously a Lukaku fan. He's got Everton history. Uh, is it possible not to like Romelu Lukaku? He is a very lovable man, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, uh, the only thing I can hold against him is that he says if he comes back to the Premier League, he wants to go to Chelsea. But that that's just about it. Like He, he is a Chelsea player. Yeah, I know. Um, he, you know, he is, uh, he is very lovable. I don't understand anyone who... I mean, the people who I really don't understand is Everton fans who were not big fans of Lukaku when he was, uh, was playing for us. So, no, I, I think he's great. I think he's uh, everything that's good. Uh, with soccer, I mean, yeah. Lovely man. A uh, pretty convincing win for Belgium. Lukaku had two, I believe, and uh, 
I forget who had the other. Munir, who also had an assist. So big players coming up big. Yeah. Mike, does this help convince you that Belgium is legit here? They've got a real chance at running, or do you need to see more still? I mean, I think we all kind of expect Belgium to win this group uh, and probably to win it pretty easily. This, you know, Denmark seemed like their biggest competition, and they're all of a sudden looking a lot less formative. So, you know, I think Belgium, you know, they're, they're coming in, you know, tournament favorites or thereabouts. Uh, this win doesn't, you know, it, it certainly doesn't do anything to dissuade that opinion, but I think no one's going to look at this and be like, oh, yeah, Belgium are now favorites if you didn't think they were strong favorites before. Belgium take a knee before kickoff here. Russia does not. Uh, Colin, did you write this in? You have a comment? My only comment is, like, I think Belgium is very likable just from their, like, oh, Roberto Martinez is the manager. We try to score a lot of goals. Sometimes we let in four. And then Russia is not likable even from the beginning just because they're Russia. Right. And, yeah. and then, like, they do that, and you're like, okay, cool, got it. I got it. Yeah, I know who I'm supposed to root for. Yeah. Message received. <laughs> It's like, uh, so stupid. You're watching the TV show and the evil person music plays, and you're like, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah I knew for the he cute. was the evil yeah. one. I got, I got that already, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, England beat Croatia 1-0. Uh, this is probably the hard game out of the group for England. This is Group D, um, Czech Republic and Scotland in the other game. England, Palmer, got to be happy with those three points. I hundred oh, percent like this game I had pegged as a zero zero draw and Croatia walks away with that feeling like they won. Um, England dominated, uh, hit Phil Foden, hit the post early in the game. Um, Croatia didn't look that good at all at any point. Um, you know, I think I, it's, it's a England grinded out like, I don't think England's going to blow anybody off the pitch this this tournament, you know? Like, it's just going to be... I feel like, you know, they just... In the run-up, even, to this tournament, they weren't scoring a ton of goals. They were winning their, like, um, their warm-up games 1-0 like this. I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I just... But is football coming home? <laughs> it I, took a step. I do not think so. I mean, the 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 tournament final is hosted in Wembley, so if if you want to say that, then that's fine. But uh, uh, England is I I just don't know. I I don't know if they if they're scoring enough, but um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, two also uh, the other controversy around taking the knee um, in the run up to these uh, to this tournament, the England fans had been booing um, their players who took the knee, which was so I mean, stupid. to be clear, not all the England fans. Uh, right, yeah. uh, but some England fans. And uh, I think it was the England, like the official English supporter group yeah. sent out um, a, uh, a statement today or the day before a game that was just like, understand like who you are booing uh, and what they are doing this for. Um, and, and what your boos kind of communicate. Um, and when, when the players took the knee today, uh, there were cheers. So at least they learned something or at least let the right people into the stadium this time. So, um, Hey, that's fine. I'll take yeah. that. Yep. 
Keep bad people out of stadiums. Yep. Cool. Yep. That's fine. <laughs> um, Calvin Phillips leads. We know that Kevin's going to be happy about this one. Uh, <laughs> great performance. Got the assist to Raheem Sterling. Uh, this, like, just a great performance from Phillips. Was that, Colin, do you think a surprise? Was it a surprise he started? Was it a pri- surprise that he was kind of the, the main man almost? Uh, I don't think it's a I huge mean, surprise he started. I think it is a huge surprise or fairly big surprise that he was, like, the guy or, like, had the best performance on the day. I, I think you certainly would have picked him more as a player who, you know, going into the tournament, if they can get seven out of ten of him, you know, six for six games, that's that's great. Um, than ever uh, expecting him to be the guy to create uh, that much uh, in the attack or, or the decisive pass even. You know, he's, he's more of a deeper-lying player usually anyway. So, um, no, but I, I think that's very surprising. And, I, yeah, I think uh, Leeds fans should be very happy. And, you know, I think Calvin Phillips is uh, one to watch, but also maybe a little bit... Uh, a little bit in the Jamie Vardy mold of like, he's already been overlooked a little bit in his past career. He's not 19 years old or something like that. Like Phil Foden is. So is he really going to get some kind of uh, giant move or something like that? Maybe he's just going to be Leeds guy for, for a long time and, and still play for England. That'd be certainly what Leeds fans would be hoping for. That'd be fine. Bellingham, as previously mentioned, a Dortmund player, uh, Palmer, you said you looked him up. Do you know how old he is? Uh, I don't remember. Young. 17 what? years old. What? Oh, my yeah, God. Youngest, is, youngest ever in the Euros, right? Uh, I don't know. I didn't see that. I, I think, just pulled I think up he's the Wikipedia. youngest player to ever appear in a Euros game. It's a young man's game. Wow. 2003. You know what I was doing in 2003? Graduating, Graduating high school. high school. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Unbelievable. Uh, big up, Jude. That's great stuff. Love it, love it, love it. Uh, Austria 3, North Macedonia 1. Uh, this was a 1-1 game. North Macedonia get a goal in a major championship. I was kind of stoked for them. But uh, I had this game on mute, so I wasn't really paying attention to all of the exactly what was going on. You should have had your FIFA soundtrack on. <laughs> did it? Uh, did this tend towards the... Uh, hyper nationalist as much as it looked on screen or <laughs> apparently or uh, nods from Mike apparently Anatovich I saw one thing on Twitter uh, so you know I gotta cite your source but apparently Anatovich after he scored his goal started just yelling like incredibly uh, like racists I mean so North Macedonia from the Balkans Anatovich I think his family is also from the Balkans uh, you know a lot of ethnic tensions there and apparently he was just going off and, uh, you know, basically had to be silenced by the captain. So, yeah, not great. Yeah, Alaba literally grabbing his mouth. Yeah, wow, really? I mean, if this is true, he should be, like, he shouldn't be allowed to play anymore. If this, he's yelling racist stuff after scoring a goal, what the, that's terrible. I mean, it's on camera. That feels like something that can be proven. Oh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I don't know if he's reeling. I just, in the, in, in, the, in the spirit of wild speculation, I don't know if he's yelling, like, racist stuff or saying, like, you know, glory to 
Austria or whatever, which is still like nationalist and like we wouldn't say it and we would be embarrassed by it and we would be yeah. like, shut your fucking mouth. But yeah. it's not like overtly hate okay. speech. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Uh, either way, Marco Arnautovic. Um, not a good look. Not with us. Let's just, we'll, no. we'll say not with us. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, Austria with a 3-1 win. Anyway, North Macedonia, I think, you know, nobody expected to pick up many points. So, uh, you know, Austria do the job. Fine. Uh, Maybe the most exciting game of the uh, set, though, this weekend, the Netherlands with a 3-2 win over Ukraine. Uh, Palmer got to be happy with all those goals. Oh, man. I had a great... It's it's bad that I'm not in Oregon because I had a great gambling weekend. I've been texting my bets to somebody. Uh, I had I had over two and a half in in the Austria uh, uh, Macedonia game. Um, I had both teams to score in the Dutch Ukraine game and uh, the Dutch to win. Uh, I'm I'm riding a high right now. This is this has been a great gambling weekend for your boy. Uh, lots of goals in this one. I knew Macedonia was going to be able to give it up. Um, we knew that the Dutch were going to be able to uh, um, score some, but also leak in some. Um, Group C, lots of goals. Who'd have thunk it? I did. I did. <laughs> love it. I love, true. I love the attitude of a gambler who has won. Just fucking love it. <laughs> Two games, nine points, or nine goals. Just great stuff. Uh Good, good win for the Dutch. I mean, they were up 2-0 and allowed two goals in rapid succession. Um, Mike, I asked you if you believed in Belgium after their game. What do you believe about the Netherlands after uh, this one? Frank de Frod. Like, I mean, again, just confirming stuff we already know. In the Netherlands, always a fun team. Um, you know, you're going to get your goals. Frank de Frod, uh, we know he's not a great coach. Uh, so yeah, I mean, this is just playing a part. I think it's not exactly what you want to see your, your team up to nothing and then giving up like two goals in six minutes or whatever it was, but Hey, they got the win. Uh, I would say they're still favorites to win the group. I think Palmer, you are an Austria believer and I don't know, to me, it's like home field advantage still matters. Netherlands hosting all their games. I think they're still favorites here. There you go. Uh, Palmer, did you learn anything about Ukraine from this one? I mean, are they maybe a little better than we thought they were? Who manages them? <sighs> did you learn anything about Ukraine? <laughs> Shevchenko. I there knew you it. Go. There you go. I knew it. Give me my points back, please. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think, I don't know if we could, this, this was just a wild game. Um, you know, what we learned is you, Ukraine can score some goals, and that's why I picked uh, Group C to have the most goals. What do you want from me? <laughs> You're on fire. <laughs> so good. I just want smiles. That's all I want from you. Oh, man. Uh, that's as far as we got. I didn't keep the order up, so I can't even tell you what exciting games we have in the next couple of days. Uh, but, you know, there's that group that has all the big teams in it, so that should be fun. Spain plays somebody tomorrow, I think. We're so good at podcasting. Sure. <laughs> there'll be more. There'll be a lot more soccer. There's going to be games. Co- Copa America at night started tonight. I mean, 
It's Fuck more yeah. soccer than anyone could possibly consume. I love Even it. teenagers can't consume this much soccer. I know. My mother-in-law wants me out of the house because she comes down every morning and there's soccer on. And she's like, it's still on? So <laughs> It's still on. I love it. Classic, like, like classic it's the same game. thing to say. It's the same game from last night. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's it. We'll be back. We got more Euros to talk about next week. Who knows what else we've got to talk about next week. Can't wait to find out. Uh, email us, soccerthread at gmail.com. We might, we might not read your email. Turns out that's a new thing we wow. do. So. Okay, that's what happens but when you, you have 75-minute podcasts that start at a too late hour. Don't blame <laughs> me, listeners. Thanks, Cliff. I'm just doing what I'm told, and then sometimes not. Thanks, Cliff. Thanks, Cliff. Thanks, Cliff. Dan's internet was really cutting out there. Sorry. Good luck editing this one, Palmer. I'm not editing this. (laughs) Should we do that one again? Second set of claps, please.